Good morning, church. Um, I know some of you are here and you still don't have power or maybe even don't have water. And I, I just, I'm so touched that you would still get up to come and uh, worship this morning. And so uh, God bless you. I don't know if it really sank in on you just now when we were doing the baptism for Sophia, but you recommitted to your baptism. And that recommitment is to recommit yourself, uh, to live your baptism through your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service. I guess it's easy to think that we do that through the church, but you've been doing that all week. You've been present for others. You've been serving others. You've been giving gifts to others. Uh, all the things that it means to be baptized, you've been doing it. And God bless you. And thank you for being the church when uh, not only um, you... Uh, thank you for being the church in the world even when you couldn't take a bath, okay? Let's just cut to it, right? Okay. Uh, today, believe it or not, is the first Sunday of Lent which means that last Sunday was Ash Wednesday. And I think it was the day I uh, took some gasoline uh, out to somebody on the uh, uh, northwest side of town that was actually trapped. They couldn't get out because there was a power line over their gate and they needed gasoline for their generator. And so uh, I gave them some gasoline and they gave me six dozen duck eggs. I love the barter system, okay? Uh, I've been redistributing duck eggs. You know, what is ministry? Uh, well, you know, sometimes it's giving away duck eggs. Um, and I got back, I think, to the church building about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And for the first time during the day, I thought, it's Ash Wednesday. This is the most bizarre, surreal Ash Wednesday ever. Amen. I was talking with some folks and someone said they were giving up electricity for Lent. <laughs> that really hurts, doesn't it? Somebody else said, I think maybe I'm just giving up. Oh, it's been tough. You may have noticed my sermon title, After the Disastrous Storm. I picked that title out Thursday, but believe it or not, I, I settled on this scripture a few weeks ago. Actually, it's the lectionary text, and so it sort of picked me more than I picked it. A real serendipity, you might say, because this scripture is the end of a story. It's a story about Noah getting through a dangerous, destructive, massive storm. And then this specific scripture that Zayla read to you is about what happens after the storm is over. And what does happen? After this massive, horrendous storm is over, what does Noah do? Noah worships God. I'm sure that Noah came out of the ark, and probably the first thing he saw was the damage. Broken trees, ruined fields, damaged structures. No doubt he sees the destruction. But what does he do? He worships God. 
And God responds. God responds with an unexpected, unilateral, unconditional covenant of grace and relationship. A second chance, you might say. Although I would say it's more than a second chance. A new beginning, a new creation, a new world. And that's what I want to talk about. After the destructive storm, let us consider that in spite of the damage, perhaps God is presenting a new beginning, a new world, a new creation. So I think Lisa was talking about what have we learned. Uh, I've been thinking about that question. That question has been rolling around in my head uh, for several days. What have we learned? Um, And what do we need to do? based on what we've learned. Given God's grace and mercy, what have we learned and what do we need to do? But before I offer up some uh, possible answers to my own questions, uh, let's first attempt to rescue this scripture story from the children's books, from the cute nursery wallpaper, from the Hallmark cards. Uh, somehow we've turned this terrifying story into a cute children's story. This story is about the sin of the world and its destructive consequences. As one commentary called it, a tale of terror. And the story begins back in chapter 6. This is a very long story in the Bible. It begins with God who just seems to be on the verge of completely giving up on the whole human race. A God that's given up on the whole project of creation. Every inclination of the human beings, it says, was on evil all the time. And God's heart was filled with pain. Isn't that interesting? God's heart was filled with pain because of the corrupt and violent. The corruption and the violence in the world. It says that God grieves that he ever created the human beings. Wow. He says, I will wipe them out. And he does. Except for Noah. Noah is different. Noah finds favor with God. And how is Noah different? Well, maybe that's just the point. Noah is different. Noah dares to be different than the culture around him. Noah dares to have the courage and the discipline to do the daring, risky, dangerous work of being different from the way the world usually is. Sometimes we call it kingdom work. Sometimes we call it discipleship. That hard, risky, costly work of different. God notices. God notices Noah. God decides to not give up entirely on creation and on these human beings that are so destructive. God saves Noah and God and after God saves Noah, God Noah responds with worship. Noah gives thanks. And then God makes this unexpected covenant with not just Noah, but with all humans everywhere and all creation everywhere. God says, I will never again try to destroy 
all mankind. We might self-destruct, but God will not destroy. God decides to never entirely give up on these people, even though, quote, every inclination from his heart is on evil from childhood. There is sin. There will be consequences to sin. But God doesn't give up. It's the kind of covenant... Noah's not asked to do anything. Noah doesn't respond. It's unconditional. It's unilateral. It sort of reminds me of, of when your child is born and you are all in. You are just all in. This baby can't do anything yet, but you are all in. And you know this kid is going to do some things wrong. You might even pray that this kid does not break your heart. But even if he or she does, you're still all in. You're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. You're not going to take away your love. This story doesn't tell us anything really about human beings. We don't already know. But it does tell us a lot about God. God who is faithful. God who can be trusted. God who does not give up on us. And that sounds like a God worthy of worship, even after a destructive storm. We've been through a destructive storm, and you might easily argue that it's been a 12-month storm. Maybe even longer, right? We've been through a storm of ice. We've been through a pandemic storm that's not over. We've been through a political storm that has threatened the very core of who we are and how we understand ourselves and what we believe in. A year long of much death and destruction. What have we learned? Huh? What have we learned? Well, Lisa said some of it. Maybe just a hot shower is a pure gift of God. Amen. I think I learned that my wife has a natural uh, knack for giving haircuts. (laughs) I could go on and on and on, right? I I think I'm going to compile a list of everything I've learned this year. But I want to focus on two things. The first one, I think, is that maybe we've learned we're tougher than we thought we were. That that maybe we've learned that we're tougher than we would have predicted a year ago. I think if you'd have told me 12 months ago all the things that are about to happen, I would have said, oh, no, dear God, there's no way the church can survive. It's just going to destroy us. But we're still here by the grace of God. Amen. By the strength of God, we're still the church. We're still all in this together. Second thing, though, is uh, I think maybe we've learned how much we need each other. We've we've learned that an ice storm does not care who you voted for. We've learned that a virus does not care which news channel you prefer. We've learned that a frozen water pump is not interested in your Facebook rants. Huh? Huh? We've learned that everyone counts and everyone matters. We've learned that everyone is needed. 
Huh? The plumber is needed. The utility workers are needed, right? The nurse in ER is needed. The checkout lady at the grocery store and the stockers are vital. The truck drivers, please get through the ice. The volunteers who help other people get vaccinated. What are their politics? I don't know, but I'm thankful for them. And I need them. And maybe that's what inclusive politics means. It just means somehow we need each other. Even when we don't agree. The liberal needs that conservative. And that conservative needs that liberal. What we need. What we have endured is because maybe we've found the courage to overcome our fear and to be fearlessly neighborly. The other day, uh, on my little block, I noticed a pipe had broken on the outside of a neighbor's house. And I went and knocked on the door and told them, and they were so thankful. And uh, after a while, a couple of the other neighbors came out. And it's, it's several young guys all look about the same age. Um, I can't tell them apart anymore. They all wear camo and they all have beards. And, and they start introducing themselves to each other. They all have been living next to each other and they didn't know each other. And I said, hey, let's exchange phone numbers. And they're like, yeah. And they're becoming neighbors. Random acts of hospitality over excessive self-preoccupation. Intentional acts of justice and fairness, even though it's not easy, even though it might cost me. Different. A different way of being. Our sermon series is called A Way Other Than Our Own. A different way. Trying to figure out how to live our lives a different way. How to be on a different journey than the world would tell you to be. A different destination. And what's, what's the different destination that maybe we should shoot for? Walter Brueggemann says the destination is the neighborhood of shalom. The neighborhood of mercy and hospitality and forgiveness and obedience and mutuality and justice and fairness. A different way of being neighbors Jesus Jesus can you just sum it all up can you just get everything down to one simple thesis sentence sure love God love your neighbor wow why because you need your neighbor and they need you and this is how you do God's work different I'm gonna do a shout out to H-E-B okay uh, there was a there was a story that went viral, and I saw it on the Washington Post. And when the ice storm first hit uh, over in Leander, HEB was full. Checkout line was twenty people deep, and this one guy wrote about it, and he said he, he had his basket full of all this stuff. It's sleeting and snowing outside, and the lights go down in HEB, and the checkers just say, go on, just go. 
because he's panicked. He, he's got this stuff, and, and all he's got is a credit card. And the checker said, if you don't have cash, just go. And he said he pushed his car outside, and then it just kind of really sank in on him what they were doing. They were giving it away. He had a basket full of free groceries. He said, I teared up thinking about it. And he said, all these other people started coming out, kind of looking a little shell-shocked. And then he said, everybody started pushing it forward. He said, people started helping each other, started helping older people get across the ice and get their groceries in the car and and a couple cars needed a push and some guys got together and and started pushing on the car and getting some carts unstuck that suddenly different made everybody different shout out to a furniture store in um in Houston, Master Smacks. Have you read this story too? Yeah, okay. It's this massive furniture store. And when the electricity went down, they had their own generator, so they had power. And the owner just said, let's, let's make it into a shelter. And they were having 800 people a day come in there. And there's these pictures of, of people on sofas and couches and beds and tables. And, and you know, that's going to cost him. He, he probably uh, has a whole warehouse full of used furniture now instead of new furniture. You know, there's a lot of furniture stores in Houston. But he dared to be different. And maybe because sometimes we're capable of it. Maybe because sometimes we get it and we are different. That's why God won't give up on us because he knows we can do it it's the whole biblical story good friday was a disastrous storm good friday was when everything they loved was destroyed and easter was walking out of the ark and realizing god hadn't given up on us and that we have a whole new beginning the book of acts are these guys and women who can't get over it we caused that storm in no small part and he won't quit loving us that's a god worthy of worship amen